guys, welcome to our 13th episode of In The Zone. I'm Giancarlo Alino, joined here with the co-host Chris Martelli. Andy Finello is uh, away today, so we're going to hold it down while he's uh, working. So, uh, Chris, this Sunday is uh, Super Bowl, New England Patriots, LA Rams, Tom Brady and Belichick again in the finals. It's surprise. amazing. Like, yeah, what a surprise. This guy's got the perfect life, <laughs> nice wife, good kids. Everything's perfect. Good luck with Tom Brady. And what are your thoughts on this game? And do the LA Rams have a chance to defeat Tom Brady? I've been saying since week 10 that the NFC, whoever comes out of the NFC is winning the Super Bowl. But again, I did not expect New England to go to the Super Bowl this year. I thought it was all KC this year. I thought, you know, magical Mahomes. He's looking like one of the best up and coming quarterbacks. But then again, you go in the AFC uh, championship game and Tom Brady does what he does best. And when the lights are shining the brightest, he just stays calm and he just keeps throwing those completions. And he came down the field and I'm pretty sure it was like the perfect drive. He threw, he, uh, he, uh, it was, there were three third downs in a row and he successfully um, got through all of them. It was, I remember, I think one of them was third and nine. And Tony Romo was like, no, like they got to throw to Edelman. And they did. And by the way, Tony Romo in that game, I think he called six plays in a row. I don't know how he did that when he was a player. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how he did that, but he did. But you know what? I'm, I'm honestly not surprised that New England is here again. I mean, they are one of the best dynasties I've ever seen. But I got to give the Rams credit. They're a very young team. They're very promising. They have Gurley and they have a lot of people are comparing uh, the Rams quarterback Jared Goff to Tom Brady in that he doesn't have the best arm, but he's got the IQ to carry a team to the Super Bowl. So if I have to pick a winner here, I, it's very close because the Rams, as we all know, they finished second in the NFC. They went 13-3, and three, and the Patriots were – this was one of their off years. They went 11-5, and five, but no. they still managed to like go, go, to the, to the playoffs. go to the playoffs and beat the Chargers and then beat the Chiefs. But a lot of people are criticizing the Rams' um, path to the Super Bowl because we all know about the Saints game and that, that pass interference oh, yeah, yeah, and the roughing the passer and all that. And it, it, You know what? At the end of the day, both those teams went 13-3. and three. Drew Brees had a phenomenal season. I, I love him. I think he's a very underrated quarterback. Um, he's now – we all know that. I think it was week five or week six he – uh, broke the record throwing the most yards by any quarterback that is something that's hard to do and again the, here's another up-and-coming Rams team that wants to prove that they are one of the best and I, I said this before the season even started that the Rams would be favorites and here we are but do I think the Rams have a chance absolutely reason being it's in Atlanta there's really no one that you know there's no home advantage here it's yeah. just in Atlanta um, there's probably going to be more Patriot fans there I will just assume but Again, it could go either way here. I just want to take it back to February 2002, where these two teams met the first time in the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 36. I remember watching this. I was seven years old, and this is basically what got me into being an NFL fan today. It's crazy to think that Tom Brady, that Super Bowl, it was his first ever Super Bowl. It was his second year in the league, and he won it for his team. And the rest is history. He basically assembled the best dynasty of all time. And how funny is it now that 17 years later, Tom Brady is still yeah. on the team <laughs> battling the Rams. Completely different team. Mind you, Jared Goff, their quarterback, is 24 years old. So when that Super Bowl happened, he was like seven years old, six years old. And I remember, I think it was a couple days ago, uh, one of the reporters asked him, it's like, do you remember this Super Bowl? It was Brady's first. It was a big deal. And he's like, honestly, I don't think I watched it. I wasn't really old enough yet. So it's crazy to think how long Brady and Bilicek have been going. But uh, I don't know. This is a tough Super Bowl to predict. I know the last two that the Patriots have been in have been so entertaining, so fun with the Eagles and the Falcons. I don't know. What were your thoughts on the last two Super Bowls? 
I love the Eagles winning just because, like, this guy's had so much, like, good luck every other year. <laughs> and the, the poor teams that don't even make it to the Super Bowl. And then you see this guy going into, what, nine? Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's not fair. And then uh, I remember the other one, I the Seattle one. And we were oh, watching yeah. it, the one yard that they just had to run it in and they go and throw it. They blew it and New England wins. But uh, I want to ask you this, though, because Brady, like you mentioned, this is 17 years later and he's back in the Super Bowl. Is If he wins, you, should he retire with him and Belichick or they should go again for just greed, be greedy, go for 10? I feel like I've been saying this for two years now in that. Everyone asks me the same question come Super Bowl time. When Brady's there, it's does he retire? And as the years go on, you want to say yes, but I don't see him slowing down. I mean, again, he had a QB rating after the whole year of like 97, which is still – that's still basically elite. I remember I think someone asked him like a week ago, like, are you done after this year? And he said like there's a 0% chance I'm done. So uh, that basically answers your question. I, I think he's going to go another year. I, I, all I'm going to say is if the Patriots win this Sunday, don't be surprised if Gronkowski calls it a career because he's been injured quite a bit. Oh, and yeah. uh, he's got offers from other, you know, other promotions. WWE uh, He's looking at Gronk. We all know he was a big part of that Andre the Giant Battle Royal. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't I hate always discussing how oh should players retire and all this because Brady is probably the best quarterback I've ever seen and it's crazy you again 17 years later he's still doing this he's still dominating the NFL and people could love him they could hate him they can say that this is a this is rigged this is all this but again you're looking at Tom Brady and you're looking at the team that he's carried this year to the Super Bowl it kind of reminds me of the team that LeBron carried to the NBA Finals last year with the Cavs and that he has nobody and he's still managing to beat out the elite competition. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought Mahomes and Casey would run, not run over New England, but I thought they'd beat them. And New England, I don't know, he kept throwing it to guys like Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman, a lot of people that don't even watch NFL on the daily, they don't really know who they are because they aren't elite wide receivers. I've been saying to my brother, we've been discussing for years now, how Tom Brady hasn't had an elite wide receiver since Randy Moss. Yeah, And we all know how well that team went. They almost went undefeated the whole year. So just imagine, just imagine if Tom Brady had someone like an AJ Green or an Antonio Brown. Like that is just insane. So to me, Tom Brady, I don't think he's retiring after this year. Maybe not even after next year. But we got to see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. I think... I'm going for the Patriots to win this, make history. Do you think Belichick retires? Because now he's been in a lot of like Super Bowls. Every year is like has that question, do you want to retire? Do you want to continue? Or does he go elsewhere? Maybe he wants to get out of Tom Brady's shadow because he was in, uh, I believe, Cleveland. They fired him. They probably regret that now. Does he want to go to another team and prove, like, you know what? Tom Brady's only good and he can only win these Super Bowls because I'm the one giving him the plays. Does that maybe make like more competition where he'll decide to leave and go somewhere else it's very interesting too because i remember they fired their defensive coach last year and a lot of people thought that that would backfire new england success yeah but it didn't so a lot of people were saying it's not belichick it's this guy and they ended up firing him and not belichick and again they're back in the super bowl and then again they're back in the super bowl so if belichick leaves to go to another team, I feel like that just ruins not only the New England Patriots dynasty, but it ruins his legacy. Yeah. So I I wouldn't want to see Belichick go to any other team. I feel like if they win this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he retired and called it a career because, again, he's just made history every single year. And I want him to go out and retire making history, not tarnishing his legacy. So I'm going to say that he ends up retiring after this year if they win again this is a historic super bowl for the patriots franchise i can't i can't harp on this enough this is their 11th super bowl appearance the most in nfl history this is belichick and brady's ninth super bowl appearance you said some teams don't even make it to two so that's incredible and if the patriots win the super bowl they tie the steelers for the most super bowls with six so this has a lot on the line for the Patriots. I know that pressure doesn't usually get to Brady and Belichick, but I don't know, this year it might because 
there is a lot of historic implications in this one. You know what I want to see? Belichick after this year, like if they win, I want to see him go to Cleveland and then you see Baker Mayfield and he just turns into a star. Yeah, turn his whole career around and say, you know what? Tom Brady's out. Now I got another 10, 15 years with this young up and coming phenom. Oh, that can add even more Super Bowls to his already stacked treasure chest in his room. So there's uh, that. And after this year, though, because you said like Gronk might leave, who do they replace him with? Um, it's tough because there's like not a lot of tight ends that stick out in my mind. I know that there's the guy on Kansas City, Travis Kelce is really good. Uh, the guy on the the Panthers, Greg Olson, I think he would be the perfect fit for the New England Patriots because he's just got that mobility. He's uh, he's not like the the guy that gets a lot of receptions like Gronk does, but he will do a lot more, and he's a lot more athletic than a Gronk now. So I would I don't really I don't even think they need to upgrade on their tight end. I think they need to upgrade on their wide receiving if they can get a great wide receiver. For Brady next year, don't be surprised if it's Super Bowl eleven for him wow. <laughs> or Super Bowl ten for him because this guy's amazing. And I, I have no idea. But Gronk, if he retires, I mean, good luck, whatever he does after. But New England will figure something out in getting a good tight end. I think maybe a guy like a Tyler Eifert who's been injured for Cincinnati for two years now, maybe get a good rehab stint in the offseason, hopefully come back healthy. But another thing I want to say with this Super Bowl is that if Brady wins this, he will have the most Super Bowls ever with a player by a player with six. Um, he's tied right now with Charles Haley with five. And then um, take this in. If Brady wins and gets MVP of the Super Bowl, this will that will be his fifth Super Bowl MVP, the most by any other player ever. And take this in. Julian Edelman is only 46 catches away from catching Jerry Rice's uh, postseason reception record, which is insane because <laughs> Edelman is not even remotely close to rights. talent with Jerry Rice. <laughs> like, they're not even on the same playing field. So that is why Tom Brady's the GOAT. I think he's the GOAT. If anybody, any of the listeners want to challenge me, my, uh, you know, my uh, Twitter is ChrisMart89. You could, you could basically DM me. You could tweet at me with that. But I don't know. I think Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. And I think it's like, okay, three years ago, I remember I did a YouTube video comparing Manning and Brady. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying Manning had the higher IQ. Manning had the better arm. But if you're looking at it all, all in all, and you're looking at success, and you're looking at resumes, there's no one that comes to Brady. There is nobody. Yeah. And he wasn't injury-prone. Like, uh, Manning, I remember he had that neck thing. He got, yeah. broke his neck or something, a disc in his neck. Then he had that whole uh, issue with when they lost in the final and got blown out. Yeah. So you can't, you can't put him up there, I think, with Brady. I think that one really ended the argument there. And Brady, just his longevity in his career, I think he only had one bad injury where he missed a few, maybe one season. And then he missed a few games the next year. But other than that, he's been consistent. You can't put Manning in that category. It's it's when you look at Brady and you look at like he's kind of like a LeBron. You could kind of compare the two in their respected industries, you know, in NBA and in NFL, because, again, the longevity, like you said, Brady from 37 to now has looked arguably better or if the same as he was in his peak years. Yeah. You could even say this is his peak now because he's putting together seasons. He's throwing the wide receivers that don't have – like they shouldn't have the success that they're having. Yeah. They shouldn't have the records like Edelman, like I just said. This boosted up stats. Like it's crazy to think that he's now 40 – I think he's 40 or 41 now and he's still going and he's still throwing 4,000 yards a year, still throwing more touchdowns and interceptions. And usually when you get older – the interception numbers go up. We've seen it with guys like Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. They're still great QBs, but again, the interceptions go up. Yeah. But with Tom Brady, that's just not happening. So for me, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. I think his playoff resume speaks for himself. A lot of people say, yeah, you know, over his career, the Dolphins, the, the Bills, they just haven't been good. So Brady's been getting all these buys every year. Yeah. And it's like you can't really look at it like that because Brady in himself, he just carries his team to 10 wins every single year. Like the Patriots are guaranteed 10 wins every single year since I was about five years old. That's just how it's been. 
Like when I look at NFL, like let's say, okay, 20 years from now, people will be asking me, what did the NFL look like 20 years back? I will just say one team and I will say New England. Yeah. And if it, if I don't say one team, I'll say two teams. I'll say New England and Pittsburgh. And that's basically it because Tom Brady has dominated this industry for 20 17 years yeah and to think that his first Super Bowl was 17 years ago and it's coming full circle again he's facing the Rams 17 years later looking for his sixth Super Bowl looking for his fifth finals MVP it's just it's crazy like you can't write this like this is a again if he retires it's a perfect ending because he started by beating the Rams and he can end by beating the Rams it's just it's tough to think but I don't think Brady's done yet. And from two different cities, because the Rams of, uh, were they St. Louis before? They were St. So Louis. So they beat St. Louis, and, and he ends LA. his career very beating L.A. So that's a great way to end his career. But yeah, if you guys uh, are going to watch it, it's going to be on CBS. And uh, you could also probably watch it on TBS at Fox. There's going to be a lot of different things. 6.30, and it will be held at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So guys, I know Super Bowl is a big spectacle. I hope you guys all enjoy it. I hope you guys, I don't know who you guys are rooting for, the Patriots or the Rams, but it is sure going to be an entertaining one. At halftime, uh, Maroon 5, if you don't want to see that, go over to YouTube and uh, WWE's counter-programming with their own version of halftime. It's halftime heat, but uh, yeah. (laughs) That is it for the Super Bowl. So Alino, what do you have next? All right, so uh, this week on Monday, there was uh, a big ruckus here in Toronto because uh, I was looking on Twitter and I saw uh, this guy, Camille, who I, I know his uh, affiliate, Frequency 5FM, great group of people. He tweeted out, uh, Sebastian Jovinko close to a transfer with Saudi club Al-Halal. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is Al-Halal? So I type it in, they're apparently pretty rich. <laughs> First place in the Saudi league and... Uh, a lot of people were trying to like sweep us under the rug and say, oh yeah, he went to a doctor to get his leg checked out in LA. When that happens, you know, he's getting a physical to go get transferred to another team. So that's what everything uh, happened after that. Jovinko was officially gone. Uh, two to three million dollar range. Uh, I was talking to somebody and uh, they were saying that the team really didn't have any leverage because he was going into the final year of his deal and he could have signed a pre contract agreement with another team so they just like in fifa 19 when you go sign a player on a pre-expiry they can just be on their team the next year so it's a big blow for tfc because now they don't got this italian superstar on the team energy in the stadium is going to go a little down a lot of people don't want to be on the team anymore and hinted at that we're leaving like altador i remember last year in the scrum i was standing near him and he's all of a sudden, he just said, yeah, if this is the last time I'm playing for this team, I'm all right with that. Everyone's looking around like, what the hell is this guy doing an exit conference now? What's going on here? And uh, so Bradley, no one knows what's going to go on with him. So I want to ask you as a casual viewer of like MLS, like if Jovinko's not on this team, would you be drawn to watch a game with a, like a, star, a proven star on a Toronto club? I tried watching it before he came which was like 2013 2012 and the easy answer for me is no I mean when you don't have a star a star on your team and you could have as many blue chip players you know coming up the ranks but at the end of the day it doesn't sell tickets it doesn't sell casual fans like myself so when I heard that Jovinko was leaving it's kind of like the end of an era in Toronto soccer for now at least for now yeah like Like, because we all know that the Raptors are amazing. The Leafs are amazing. The Jays are not so good. Hmm. But then TFC, the last couple of years, they've been outstanding. Like uh, Jovinko, to me, is the best TFC player by a long mile. He's the greatest TFC player of all time. And now you're losing the greatest player in your club's history. And it's like, what is this going to do for your organization? Like you just said, is Altador now leaving? Probably. Yeah. Is Bradley leaving? If he doesn't leave, he's not getting any better. So, um, again, like, when my brother told me the deal, I feel like they could have got rid of him for a little bit more than two mil. But, again, apparently a lot of people are saying that Al-Halal got him for 11 and a half mil U.S., which I don't know how that adds oh, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, like, so it adds up to... A three-year deal, yeah. 11 and 11 and no, a half. No, but, yeah, they gave him the 11 and a half, I think, but it was split up to where they, like, pay his contract and... 
think two million goes to the team, and then they split up where MLS gets a portion of that. That's how their league is like weird with transfers. Like in when Manchester United sold uh, Pogba to Juventus, they don't get the league doesn't get anything out of it. Yeah. yeah. So the way they have it, it's basically the teams are franchises, like in the NHL and NBA. They're not like clubs, like their own separate thing and their own separate brand. So the league would benefit from a transfer, like an Atlanta player that went to Miguel Almiron, he went to Newcastle for 21 million pounds. MLS is pretty happy about that because they're making some like money off this. So I don't know. What do you think about like MLS having like a split like that? Do you think that should happen or should the team get like some portion? I feel like I feel like the team should get some portion of it because again, you can sell a player for so much and then it doesn't I don't know like it's it's tough to kind of say I don't know what do you think I I, I don't know like, yeah like it's I don't think the league should be getting that money because let's say uh we're like in a Premier League so uh Chelsea if they get a big name player they sell they get Aguero from Manchester City they pay like let's say 90 million dollars I don't think the Premier League makes enough money off TV deals where they shouldn't be getting like 11 or 12 million dollars off that should be all going to the player and his agent, who's going to take a majority of his next contract, and the team. So it's a little weird. I mean, players nowadays are, like, very selfish in that they all want the money for themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But the thing that's interesting for me with the whole Jovinko thing is he refused the club option yeah. for 2020. And he dropped bombs Like what? Would, the but but why, do you, why do you think he did that, though? I was it the team morale? Like, what, what happened I think it was there? a management because uh, their coach, Greg Vanny already had a it was reported he got into an altercation but it was a fight with uh, Gregory Vanderweel and during a practice the first practice session they have in LA they're getting ready for a Champions League game and they're already punching each other or like having a like a big argument and that sets the morale of the team down because now the coach has to come in with a beloved figure like Jovinko leaving and they got to do damage control but how can the coach come in and do that when he just had a fight with their teammates so this is something that the management is going to have to really, like, do a lot of damage control on. They're going to have to bring someone in to, like, make the fans who go and have season tickets, which is about, like, 9,000. They're going to have to make them happy and show, okay, we have, like, someone in mind. I don't think they did that. And I think that's why a lot of people are upset with the move because Atlanta, I used their example before, they got rid of Almiron. But before they got rid of him, they already had a designated player that they signed from Argentina to come in their team. So... The fans were a little more happier with that. Toronto FC, they didn't have that. And they already have Bradley and Altidore in the last year of her deal. It's a big uh, circus down there at BMO. So what do you think, what do you? What are your expectations for TFC next season? And who do you think they, they replace Jovinko with, if they can replace someone? I think this year coming up is going to be uh, Like tough. a rebuild? Yeah, it's going to be tough for fans to watch. They're going to ride out Altidore and Bradley's contract. And then in July... I think they're going to get rid of both of them and then they're going to set their sights on the three or four uh, designated player spots that they can put a lot of money towards. I think fans should expect July to be much better than the beginning of the season. The beginning of the season with Champions League, I wouldn't expect to win. They went to the final last year, so I don't think they'll go far. But July, like when we saw DC to get Rooney, I think July for Toronto is when they're going to really look at a player to come and fill those shoes at Jovinko. Do you believe that this team now with Jovinko gone, do you think this is one of the worst TFC teams like of all time? Because I've seen really yeah, bad TFC too. teams. <laughs> they were like horrible. And I'm going to say Danny no. Danny Dekio, way I'm back. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to say no because uh, they still have Osorio. Their back line is pretty good. They have Lawrence Simon. He was on, used to play for Belgium in the World Cup and Euro Cup, so he's got experience. Chris Mavinga is amazing. I think he's their best defender. Justin Morrow's back there. And they still have Bradley and Altidore right now with Osorio. So I don't think they'll be as bad as the train wreck of a teams that they had before <laughs> with Jermaine Defoe. But I think that it's outside the playoffs. I think they're going to tie a lot of games. They're going to lose a lot of games. And I don't think they're going to win too many. Well, that's it for TFC. I hope everything works out. Management has definitely been slacking. But up next, I want to get into... The Anthony Davis sweepstakes. We talked about this before about six, seven episodes ago where we heard a little rumor about Davis wanting out. And I remember he denied it yeah. about like two months ago. He's like, no, I want to stay here. I want to be in New Orleans. And 
little do we know that no one is really loyal in the NBA, <laughs> yeah. and he wants out now. The Lakers are front runners to get him. We talked about this again six podcasts ago, where what a Lakers team would look like with Davis and LeBron together. Can they dethrone Golden State? A couple other teams that are in the mix, though, are the Raptors, the Bucks, and I've also been hearing the Celtics. Alino, what are your thoughts on Anthony Davis potential? Um, you know, leave potentially leaving the Pelicans. What are your thoughts on? I that? think he's leaving for sure now because he even got fined, I think, fifty grand for uh, tampering or something because he said that he requested a trade and then they sat him out. So the league apparently just find him 50,000 he's gonna get that money anyways wherever he goes and signs but I don't like the Lakers trading Lonzo Ball Kuzma and Ingram potentially and their first and their first for Anthony Davis you're already trading a lot of proven players Lonzo Ball is gonna be a playmaker who are you gonna have that's gonna be a playmaker Rajon Rondo like he's your your whole potential of what you could be if you just sign Anthony Davis as a free agent to what you're doing, just trading everyone now, I think it's going to damage them in the long term. They might have a short-term playoff run. LeBron's getting older, so you don't know how many amazing performances he can have. But if they get Anthony Davis, it's going to be – you have to get someone in the offseason like a Clay Thompson, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, for it to really work. But then you're putting yourself into that situation that Cleveland was in when they got Kevin Love, Kyrie, and LeBron. And three years from now, your team is messed up, and it's going to look rough again for Magic Johnson. Again, a lot of people are saying that the Lakers have to go all in right now for him because, again, not a lot of teams have the assets to trade for Davis right out the gate. Again, there's the D. Rose rule for the Celtics in that they can't trade for him now. Because I think for the players on the Celtics, they um, they are about more than half of the Celtics' salary cap. So you have Horford, Irving, Hayward, and I think Jalen Brown. Those four guys are basically half of your salary, so they can't trade for Davis. Yeah. But apparently, in the like after the season's done in the off season, they could go out. They could go all out for Davis. But for me, my biggest concern with this whole shura with Anthony Davis is, again, loyalty. Like, who is going to be loyal? Like, you're looking back now, it's like, there's no guys like Russell Westbrook. I, I, I hate to say it. Like, I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan, but that guy, he stuck through with OKC through thick and thin the last couple of years. And it, he was averaging triple-double. He easily could have been like, listen, KD split, I could easily split. And I could yeah. go with another star. But he didn't. So, again... It sucks for guys like Drew Holiday, who just is coming off an unreal season with the Pelicans. And I remember they, I just read an article where one of the reporters asked him, oh, what do you feel about Anthony Davis wanting out? And Drew Holiday basically said, well, that's the reason why I extended my contract here because of guys like Anthony Davis and the impact they have. But it's a shame now that he wants out. So how good are the Pelicans going to be in the next couple of years? Like I, like I always ask everyone around and it's like, do you think anyone wants to play for New Orleans? No, because the city, no offense, it's not that entertaining. The fan base isn't that good. So I don't blame Anthony Davis really for leaving. He's one of the greatest superstars in the NBA. They're not going to they're not gonna win a championship anytime soon. So why not go with the Lakers? Why not go with the Raptors? In my honest opinion, a lot of people are saying the Raptors shouldn't go for him. I think the Raptors should go for him. Why not? You have Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis on the same team. Even if it's for one year, you could finally get the championship that you want. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, if the Raptors get him? What what does a uh, trade proposal look like on that end? Well, yeah. First of all, though, with Davis, I like his approach to it where he didn't do this in the last year. Like, he actually signed an extension, unlike Kevin Durant, who – just split and gave everyone false hope that he was going to resign and went to Golden State. But the Raptors, I think, are in a better position than the Lakers, where if they go all in for him, I think they should go all in for him now. They would have an extra year to trade him. So let's say he wanted to leave next year, they could trade him and package him off and get something in return. So I think they should trade for him, but the package would look a lot. You would have to get rid of either OG or Siakam for one. Uh, you would have to get rid of JV or Ibaka. So I think JV would be the more like appealing piece for New Orleans because they would get a center back. And probably you're looking at Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, one of those two, and a lot of first-round picks. 
<laughs> unlock like unprotected. If I'm Masai, I would take the chance and say I don't want to protect this lottery pick and go all in for him. I when I'm looking at it, trading for Anthony Davis, they the Pelicans definitely want they want young stars because they have nobody. Yeah. So for me, if they do end up trading with the Pelicans, for me, OG Ananobi is a hundred percent gone. I think he's the guy that has to go. He's not getting the minutes that he wants right now. I think he's getting around 20 minutes a night. He is a project offensively, but we've already seen that his defensive game is elite. That's why he got drafted. He was highly touted because of his defensive game. And a lot of people are saying that he's like Kawhi Leonard. But again, offensively, I don't see it yet. But we, I guess he's kind of like the wait and see player. But Pascal Siakam right now to me, I think he has the most trade value other than obviously Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. I think it's Pascal Siakam who's the guy that if I want to trade for Anthony Davis and I'm the Pelicans manager, I'm circling Siakam and I need him on my team. So should the Raptors though really trade two potential franchise pieces for just a one-year, two-year rental? A lot of people are saying no, but... I just want to point out that it is Anthony Davis. He is a five-time All-Star, a three-time defensive player, um, all-defensive team. He does everything for your team. And if you have Davis and Leonard on the same team, just imagine how scary that is. I think, honestly, if we had those two, the way Kyle Lowry is as a leader, Serge Ibaka, if we don't trade him, the way he's been playing, I think we could run over almost anyone in the East. I I love Giannis. I love him. I think he's amazing, but... That Bucks team, if we get Davis, I don't think it's they stand over. a chance. Do, do, do we stand a chance against Golden State? Yeah. I like yeah. our chances there because I think Kyle Lowry is a great matchup with uh, Steph Curry. A lot of people say that that's not the case, but I, I think it's not bad. Another guy that could defend Curry maybe is an OG because you can maybe put Davis, Leonard, and Ibaka all on at the same time because Davis is a quicker 5-6 yeah, guy. He's pretty mobile, so you could have him maybe guard Durant. And then you could maybe have Kawhi, or you could have Kawhi on Durant, and you could throw everyone off and have Davis on. Uh, you could have Davis on Thompson, and then so so Thompson doesn't break any three point records. And then you have Cousins with Ibaka, and they can battle in the paint. So if if the Raptors trade for Davis, I'm all in. I, I think they should do it. I, I think that's very I'm exciting. You. I'm with you, and you see what the Raptors can do too because Anthony Davis is young right I think he's still like 24 25 so this is you're not getting a player who's 30 years old and like in his prime yeah in his prime he still has to get into his prime and he has another year under his contract so you can convince Kawhi let's say you run over the east this year Kawhi Leonard signs another one or two year deal and say Kawhi look at what we have here we have a dominant team in the east running over everyone no one's going to catch you you're guaranteed a western conference opponent in the final I think he would rather stay here than go to L.A. And then Lowry, he is like a little older now, but I think they should probably trade him in the summer if they go to a final. If you can keep Anthony Davis and Kawhi, I would risk trading Kyle Lowry. And then just look at all the pieces that surround him. Abaka's good. Danny Green is a great defensive player. So you can put him on somebody, great three-point shooter. And then bring in some veterans for the bench, like a Vince Carter. You can bring in uh, even... Like, players who don't really get the time in the G League, you can bring them up for, like, save some salary just to save a little bit, like a million dollars or so. And I think that would help them out. Draft a player and really develop them instead of putting OG Ananobi and Siakam, who they had in the G League for a little bit. Siakam spent more time, but OG Ananobi, you can really develop a guy like that in the G League and then bring them up slowly like San Antonio used to do, so... I love it if the Raptors would go all in on AD. So is it safe to say that the Raptors are buyers at this deadline? Yeah, I think they are. And I'm kind of like that they – there was reports that they were going to go for Porzingis. And I think it's better that they didn't because if you can get Anthony Davis, I'd rather have him over yeah, Porzingis. Yeah, 100%. Let's talk about the Porzingis yeah. uh, trade. <laughs> so basically yesterday I watched the press conference and – Flat out, right off the bat, I saw Porzingis' attitude, his body language. It just wasn't there. Like, he he just looked, like, out of place. He looked kind of, like, he just looked kind of dry. He was just there, and he was, you know, calling it how it was. And then finally, after the conference, he said, listen, like, I don't really see a future with this with this franchise. Like, I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind if I requested a trade. And literally two hours later, the Knicks make... A blockbuster deal to the Mavs 
And let's just talk about this trade quickly. Porzingis, Hardaway Jr., and Courtney Lee, and Frank Nittle, or no, is it Frank, or no, Trey Burke, yeah, sure. go to the Mavs for DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and Dennis Smith Jr. What are your thoughts on this deal for both teams? I love it for the Mavs because remember DeAndre Jordan that year when he signed with them? And then after he backed out when they had that Chris Paul and Blake Griffin go to his house and then he's told the... Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. Was that, when was that? Was that 2013, 14? Yeah, it was around that because I remember that summer they were talking about all these free agents coming up and Chris Paul was one of them. That's like one of the years coming out after. But he decided to screw over Mark Cuban and then a few years later, he's the only one remaining on that team because he traded Paul and Griffin for nothing. Then DeAndre Jordan says, okay, I'm going to opt out and go to Dallas, like, finally. And the same year, Mark Cuban gets him back, sends him over to the worst team in the league, and says, all right, now we got Kristaps Porzingis on the team. So I love that for the Mavs. They got Penny Hardaway Jr. He's a great player. Uh The Knicks, you can make the argument, though, that they're going to have a lot of salary to use on Kevin Durant. But I think they're they have their hopes up way too much. You think New York is gonna sell like the Knicks haven't been like a real like top level destination, I think, since Patrick Ewing in like the nineties when they were going to the finals. So I don't see it. I don't see Kevin Durant going there or Kyrie. It's funny because a lot of people have asked me, like, oh, who do you think won the deal? And a lot of people are just quick to conclude that the Mavs won the deal. I think they still won the yeah. deal, getting Porzingis, who before the injury looked like a star. And Doncic, we all know, is a star. And he's one of the biggest all-star snubs of this year, hands down for me. And then you still have a guy like Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. So it's funny. I was looking at, like, tweets and, like, comments, and everyone is calling the Mavs now the whiteout, which is the three white players potentially playing (laughs) together. And it's like, okay, guys, I guess racism is still alive (laughs) here, but got to kind of relax with those comments. But seeing... I, I'm just so excited to see Doncic and Porzingis play together. Those are arguably the two greatest international players ever to play. So, like, you're seeing these two now on the Mavs with Mark Cuban. Do they win another championship with these guys if the Warriors dynasty implodes? Maybe, because they're both young. Yeah, it's possible. Doncic is 20, and Porzingis is 23, 24. So imagine in their prime, both those guys, like, playing together together. It's going to be scary. But again, the Ma- the Knicks, like you said, yes, they get DeAndre Jordan, but he only has one year yeah, left. He's, gonna he's definitely gone. Uh, they got Dennis Smith Jr. They finally got a point guard that is looking promising and can potentially be a franchise point guard. Um, and again, they're doing all of this in the long run for cap space. They now are setting up for two max deals in the offseason. So they're looking to get either Kyrie, KD, uh, Kawhi, Davis, any of those big name guys. The question is, though, after that trade, do they get them? Like, again, it is a very fun place to play, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. It's historic. But like you said, they haven't been successful for 25 plus years as a franchise, not even not even as a team, as a franchise. They haven't done anything close to successful. It was Porzingis, but now he's gone. So management, again, has failed this franchise. So if they want to get it right, they have to either sign KD and maybe Davis. I wouldn't go after Kyrie because I think Dennis Smith Jr. can carry the, the load as a starting point yeah. guard. That's just my opinion. I don't think you have to go all out for uh, Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie honestly might go to L.A. I would not be surprised with the whole LeBron, yeah. you know, their back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, again, my biggest question with this trade is the, you know, what's to come? Are the Knicks going to get to unreal players max deal contracts if they do then maybe in the long run they win this trade but again looking at it now this trade to me sets up a potential dynasty for the Mavs and I'm looking forward to seeing Porzingis and Doncic just playing together and going crazy but we could talk about that all day now we're going to get into the pond we're going to go to hockey there was a big trade not really big but for Leaf fans it was kind of it was nice to see. We get Jake Muzzin. The Leafs get the bearded freak from L.A., Jake Muzzin, for Carl Grundstrom, Sean Dursey, and a first-round pick in this year's draft. Alino, what are your thoughts on this one? I think it's a steal for the Leafs because they didn't have to get rid of Jeremy Brocko, Timothy Lilgren, 
or um, another player that I thought, Rasmus Sandin. So they didn't have to get rid of those guys. Then you look at Grant, Grundstrom, and a lot of people are saying maybe he can be NHL-ready soon. But you look at the Leafs lineup, and where would he really fit? There's Kadri, there's uh, on the third line with Marlowe. And then you have Nylander and Marner. So you can't really fit him into that team right now. And I like that the Leafs did that. And that first-round pick, it's going to be a late-round pick because this team could go potentially to a final. And Muzzin has one year left at $4 million. So when Jake Gardner probably leaves in the offseason, you save a million dollars because Gardner's making five. You've got a guy like Jake Muzzin, great player, $4 million, adds more depth to your defense. I love the move for the Leafs. Yeah, like you said, I don't know how Dubas went about this trade, and he didn't end up trading Lilgren, Kapanen, Janssen. He didn't trade any of them. He traded... Carl Grunstrom, mind you, he's a great player. Will he be an NHL player? He will probably be an NHL player. Do I think he's a top six? Maybe not. He kind of lacks the vision. I don't think he. I don't think he's that good. Um, even in the transition, I don't think he's the greatest. But again, I guess LA is very high on Carl Grunstrom, and they traded for us a, a forward. Because again, you're looking at the Kings forwards. Their bottom six is really weak, yeah. and even their top six is kind of old like they, they're not the youngest team anymore like you know you have Dustin Brown you have Jeff Carter you have Kovalchuk you have all these guys in their mid-30s where it's like okay the, le- the league's getting quicker you need more younger forwards and they started with Gabe Velarde uh, drafting him two years ago and now they have Carl Grunstrom here so maybe they're trying they're finally trying to go younger and it's crazy to think that the Leafs got Jake Muzzin a guy that logs 25 minutes a night he will probably replace Ron Hainsey. Uh, like, he'll take his spot. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's already happening because I think Muzzin is paired with Riley now. Muzzin could also play power play minutes, which is huge. Um, you could kind of give Zaitsev a breather. Maybe his minutes can go from 22 to 18. And I, I'm all in for this trade. I think Jake Muzzin's a hell of a, a, hell of a defenseman. And... Um, I think the Leafs won this trade for now. And again, like you said, they get the first round pick, the Kings. It's not the highest first rounder. Um, this draft to me doesn't look unreal. Yeah, it doesn't look too good. Outside of the top 10, I don't really have high hopes for it right now. But like compared to previous drafts. Also, I would like to um, give credit again to Kyle Dubas. And he got uh, he ended up trading uh, his second rounder, Sean Dursey, getting trade value from his second rounder. Not a lot of teams have that. You know, um, like the guys we drafted prior were Igor Korshkov, you you know him, he's KHL bound, and uh, Emily Rasanen, the big guy from Sarnia, like 6'7". I don't know why we we drafted him, but we all know know that those guys don't have any trade value. So I think Kyle Dubas did the smart move here in trading the guy that we just drafted, Sean Dursey. He's looking pretty good. He's with uh, – who's he with? I think he's he's in the OHL. I'm not really sure what team he's with, but he looks very fast, very skilled. He looks like he's that prototypical um, puck moving forward in this day and age. So, yeah. again, it's do – do you think the Leafs are done making moves or do you think they'll make more? I hope they make one more. Uh, they could actually even make another big one because they didn't trade Brocco. And if they bring Brocco up, where does he really go into the lineup? There's so many – Guys, they would have to move him to the wing, especially with Goche and Lindholm on the fourth-line center position. Uh, they could bring in another forward. They can trade Kapanen and Gardner and package them off and bring in someone huge to even put them over the hump even more. Uh, another guy I was thinking of that they can really go and make a move for, Wayne Simmons in Philadelphia. They have the pieces, I think, to make this move possible. Uh, they would probably have to get rid of Rasmus Sandin. And another draft pick, maybe a roster player like Kapanen. So I think Wayne Simmons would be a good pickup for this team. Another guy that I want to basically talk about and how he did not get traded is amazing is Jeremy Bracco. He has been killing it in the AHL. I think he has 41 in his last 34. He's looking more and more comfortable every time he steps on that ice surface. We saw in the U.S. developmental, he was unreal. He was getting points left, right, and center. He was supposed to be a first rounder. He dropped to the second round. The Leafs got him, or I think it was even the third round yeah, he dropped. Yeah, they stole him pretty late. So the fact that they took Grunstrom over Bracco is a head scratcher for me for the Kings organization. 
But for the Leafs, it's incredible because now you're going into the trade deadline and you could still potentially trade Bracco and he's only getting better and he's only putting up more points. So his trade value is only going up. So, so my biggest question is if you want to get Wayne Simmons, do you have to give up Janssen, Kapanen, or Bracco? And which of the three would you would you give up? I would give up uh, Kapanen because I think it would save you from having to re-sign him next year, like $4 million, which you'll probably ask for. Another guy on the Marlies, Timoshov, has been amazing too. So they got a lot of young pieces that they can even make a bigger move if they want, if it's a short-term deal for a one-year. Um, I'm looking at, I think, yeah, their defense would probably be Lilgren, Sander, your top two defensive prospects right now. So Borgman's there too. Yeah. So you got proven guys at the minor level and guys who have stepped up on the Leafs. But another name I want to ask you about, like a fourth-line center position, is uh, Pavel Datsuk, who's hinted that he might be <laughs> open to returning to the NHL. And we saw him in the Olympics. He can still play pretty good defensive center uh, hockey. And Mike Babcock is the coach of this team. They won some cups together. So would you like to see a 40- or 41-year-old Pavel Datsuk make that fourth line for the Leafs? Absolutely. I mean, I've I love Datsuk. I don't know what his contract is because is it it's not expiring. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But so, I think he has an out where he can go back to the NHL and then you have to play in Russia for. If if he comes back on that salary, I want I'll say no. I don't want to take that contract because again we have we have Marner and yeah. Matthews to sign. But I mean, if it's like a one mil one year, you get you get the the magical magician and Datsuk. Why not? Like, you could have Datsuk boost, like, guys like Trevor Moore's production, Connor Brown, if he stays. Yeah. Trevor Moore, to me, looks amazing. I think he's a guy that I think I would even probably trade him at the deadline because he's getting some trade value, too. But, yeah, you know what? Uh, even get rid of Gauthier, Phil, Phil Gauthier's spot with Datsuk. Why not? I would do that. I'd go all in for that. But for me, a guy that I think the Leafs need to try and get, call me crazy, I think Michael Furland is a guy that could be a good fit with Fourth the line. with the Leafs. Maybe put him on that third line. Maybe give Marlowe a little bit of a breather. You could maybe rest him for the postseason. Maybe he can rest a bit. Yeah. And you put Furland maybe with Kadri on that third line, and they muck it up there. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, that's just my opinion. I've always – the last couple of years, we've seen Michael Furland's coming out party where he last year I think he had 20 goals. He goes to the net. He goes in the corners, and uh, – he could also be a good protector like to Matthews and Marner. So I'd, I'd like to see maybe Michael Ferland make his way to the Leafs organization. What about Ryan Reeves? Can you imagine they get him from Vegas? I, they would probably like – they trade a lot to get him from Pittsburgh. But imagine a guy like that. Everyone talks about toughness. You put Ferland and Ryan Reeves on the team. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Ryan Reeves. <laughs> I think he's one of the best personnel in the league. Yeah. Him and like Brent Burns, those two guys <laughs> kill me. But yeah um, – Another thing I want to talk about before we get into WWE very quickly, I know this has been quite a long podcast, but I want to talk about Marner and Matthews contracts because Darren Dreger said on Twitter that teams are already getting ready to offer sheet Marner. What are your thoughts on that? If they're getting ready to offer sheet Marner, I don't know if they want to pay that compensation because Marner's going to, for him to leave the Leafs, it's going to be like four first rounders. Four first rounders for sure. And it has to be an offer that's like, 10 million dollars because the lease will probably have to offer him close to nine to keep him happy but for a team that's going to convince him okay we're going to make you our star if he's going to think about leaving austin matthews and nylander riley nice young core with tavares like they would have to be a huge offer and i don't think teams are going to be willing to give mitch marner 10 million 10.5 to be their star yeah how, how, I, see, I look at Marner's play right now, and he's deserving of like nine, yeah. nine and a half. And Matthews, I love him. He's not playing that well right now, but he's still probably going to get around 11 mil. I've heard rumors that he's not going to get the eight-year contract. Yeah, the Leafs are looking first. at five to six. Yeah. Is that the best option, though? I feel yeah. like that's... Do you yeah. think they should do a bridge deal, though? Like, do him a three-year deal, give him, like, 8.5, 9.5, and then 10? Or should they give him the full 11, like a Tavares deal? At, the, at that point, I would not do that. I think I would do six years, maybe 10 mil a year, and just go with that. If, if they're not going to do the eight-year, I would maybe do six years, because I heard that they're looking at five, five to six years for him. Yeah. And I think with Marner, they're looking at the full eight-year. 
I think right now they're more focused on Marner than Matthews. Yeah, because I think they must know that Matthews, like, must say, like, indicated to them, yeah, I'm going to resign. Yeah. And that they're comfortable with a number, or not comfortable with a number, but, like, comfortable with years, where they'll say, okay, we'll negotiate this. This is our starting point. We're happy with, like, five years. I think the salary is just going to come into that, so... I feel like Matthew's mindset, though, like he knows he's the guy, like he knows yeah. it's his team, so he's going to resign. Where the Leafs, I think they're kind of concerned of how well Marner's been. Like they, I don't think they expected him to have 60 points already and basically be the offensive best player on the team. So I don't know. I don't know what Dubis is thinking here. I think his priority, obviously, is both players. Matthews and Marner are definitely priorities, but. I feel right now in his mind, he's more concerned with Marner's contract than Matthews. And that to me, that sounds crazy, but I think that's the case here because Marner's contract could fluctuate. You could, he could ask for like 10 mil and a lot of people maybe look at him as a seven and a half million dollar player where we know Matthews is going to get yeah. no shorter than nine. Player. Like yeah, he's a generational sure. guy where Marner is, I think he's a generational guy too. Like a lot of people don't, they don't give him the credit that he deserves. He's a he's like a Patrick Kane. He he should be a part of this franchise in the long run. And I mean, I, I if they both get ten mil, now like, you got three players now over that. So you would have Tavares making eleven, uh, Matthews ten, and Marner ten. That's the a lot. salary cap, though. When you think about it, I want to ask you this: like, do you think it's too low for what the league is making? Yes, I think it's too low, and here's my reason. My reason is that the league is getting better every year with players. We've seen Pedersen, Barzell. We've seen all these guys come in the league, and they're already unreal. So I feel like they need to anticipate that now moving forward. They need to anticipate that players are getting better at a younger age. So after their first contracts, you're going from $925,000 to potentially, like, a $70 million contract. So teams have to be prepared. The league has to be prepared. Yes, it goes up every year, but I don't think it goes up enough. And now we're seeing expansion teams come into play now, and it just screws everything up. So especially when you look at a team like the Leafs, you look at a team like the Penguins, you look at a team like the Caps, I think the salary cap has to go up in that. If you want the league to be fun and you want the league to have these dynasty teams – you need the salary cap to go up in order to afford all these players. Like I said, I love Tavares, 11 mil. I love Matthews. Right now, he, him and Marner are making nothing. They're going to probably want 10 mil each. I, I agree with you. I think it's too low. I think it has to go up. Yeah, because you, you see Vegas, when they came into the league, they paid $500 million. And then the team's only got $5 million, like extra to spend. Like, what you, What's going on here? $500 million and you can't raise the salary cap up? It should have been at least... 10 to 15 million they should have raised it and now you see what seattle's gonna pay it's like 650 to 700 million dollars this salary cap should be like the nba it should be like a little like way over 100 million dollars like 105 102 yeah it should what's and it then, at like 60 no i think right now it's at like 70 or 68 to 70 somewhere in that range and it only goes up like a million each or every every other year i think a million dollars and then they always complain oh it's they're fighting like wrong for the game if you raise the salary cap up like by $15 million, they're going to go out and buy fourth-line players who are skilled, and there won't be any fighting in the game that they always complain about. So I think they really should look at the NBA model. And another thing I don't like is the eight-year deals. I think they should slash that and make it maximum five years. Then you'll see players demanding more money. Everybody makes more money like that. will be more competitive, and you'll see players even take less because if you say a max is five years they'll probably say all right i'll take a two-year deal and i'll take 10 million dollars you'll see like those third line players make more money so i think that's what they should experiment with i like that i think i totally agree there i like when they got rid of the really long term what yeah, was like, it 12 mil the 12 year contracts that's years, just like that's crazy. just stupid i think the last player to sign that was ovi i think i think and it was Luongo. ovi yeah luongo ovi and kovachuk yeah those were the those were the three that did that and Kovalchuk screwed over the, the Devils. Years, like, he like, screwed them over mightily. And even the DiPietro deal, like, you're looking at that, and it was just garbage. But like you said, like, eight years, is it's a good amount, but it's, again, it's kind of long. It depends, like, how old they are. Yeah, like, if, like you're, if you're 22 and you sign an eight-year, that's fine to me. But if you're, like, John Tavares 
and you're 27, 28, and you want an eight-year deal, That's and, like, you're going to 36 years old, and you're getting 11, like, it, it's just not ideal, like, for your franchise in the long run. So I agree with you. I think the max amount of years for me is, like, maybe six or five. Yes, maybe they'll ask a little more, but you will get probably more players that actually work for the money that they're earning. And, like, because I've even seen this year Tarasenko – like when he signed that monster deal a couple of years back, he was amazing. He was one of the youngest guys, you know, a very promising young Russian sniper. Last couple of years, ever since that contract, he hasn't really been doing a lot. We've seen that in the past too with guys like Alex Semen. He got signed to that monster deal, I remember. And then as soon as he got paid, you know what? I don't, I don't really want to play anymore. I don't want to play at that elite level. I got my money and that's it. So that's why guys like Blake Wheeler, they're role models yeah. to me in the league, like what they do and the contract they have. And even guys like Sidney Crosby's getting like eight mil, which is crazy to me. So I, I totally agree with you. I think it should be like five-year max. And it would raise your profile. Let's say ESPN, breaking news, uh, Evgeny Malkin signs a five-year max, paying him like 17.5 mil a year. People, like casual American viewers who don't care about hockey, they're like, oh my God, those guys make a lot of money. And maybe people might want to play hockey – Instead of playing baseball or whatever, it might be more competitive. And I, I don't know. I think it would raise the profile of the league if they boosted up the salary cap by a lot. Yeah, man. Now to finish off this podcast is we're going to talk about wrestling quickly. Alino, what do you got for us? All right. So uh, Monday Night Raw, if you saw that, there was a big thing with Dean Ambrose in the ring with Nia Jax. And uh, she, you know what? She pushed him in the back, and then they were going back and forth, maybe teasing like an intergender matchup. But then after the show, it's been reported Dean Ambrose doesn't want to sign a new contract with WWE. They apparently offered him like five years and seven figures. So That's insane. He turned them down and will be a free agent in April after WrestleMania, which would be a perfect time for AEW to come in. Hideo Itami asked for his release as well. He was granted. He has a 90-day non-compete clause right now. And uh, there's a lot of like new names popping up that I see. The New Day apparently haven't accepted a new offer from WWE. So if I'm AEW right now, you can have Dean Ambrose and the New Day jump ship. That is huge. And for WWE to release a statement about Dean Ambrose to say, oh, he's not re-signing his contract. We hope he comes back one day. That's not too good for the brand right now. I want to quickly discuss his place over the last couple of years. Like when he got injured, Dean, he was in a place on the card where, again, it was all about the shield. It was all about the shield, all about the shield. Ever since Roman was at the top of the mountain and he was holding those belts and Dean was not really doing a lot. It was all about the shield, all about the shield, all about the shield. His success the last three years, I hate to say this, was basically because of the shield. His run with the WWE title when he when he won the Money in the Bank briefcase and cashed in the same night, beat Seth Rollins for it, it was great for the moment. But right after that, he to me personally, I love I love the shield. I love Dean Ambrose. I think he's a great talented wrestler. Ever since he came back, I'm sorry, just to me, he's not been the most interesting guy on the roster. Yeah. And I loved it. I didn't really like his heel run. Like we said, we talked about his TLC match with Rollins. I was a big letdown. And then they made him lose the Intercontinental title to Bobby Lashley, which a lot of people liked. I liked it. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it was a surprise. But again, now it just, we see now that it basically made Dean Ambrose's blood boil. And that was basically enough is enough. I'm done with this company. I'm going to basically reject all offers on the table. And now we're probably going to see Dean Ambrose join AEW. And if that's the case, good luck to him. You know, he's had a great run in WWE. He's a Grand Slam champion. Very successful. A lot of people can't say they're a Grand Slam champion. But again, what does this mean for the Shield? Because the Shield has been one of the most over factions of all time. And now you have a guy like Dean Ambrose just quickly transition to another wrestling promotion. That just changes the outlook of the whole, um, you know, like the whole, uh, the whole shield, doesn't it? Like, doesn't yeah, it? it doesn't, especially if Roman Reigns, like when he comes back, it's going to be him and Seth Rollins. So you would have to change now Seth Rollins again to a heel to go back and do a shield storyline. If you want to do like a quick feud and then if they do a match, it's going to be a tag team shield and you don't know who else is going to be 
on the roster for it to make sense. So I think that rules out a shield reunion. And it's really a shame too because Pinello's not here, and I, we all know he loves Dean Ambrose. Big fan of him. I'm a big fan of him too. But like I said. Ever since he won the WWE title, I don't know what it's been. Like, he just kind of looks like he's going through the motions. Yeah, like, he's like a Randy Orton. Or yeah, like he's just kind of going through it and he's not really all that into it. Like, I loved when he came back and he looked great, he looked bigger, more jacked. And then, but then again, like a couple months pass and he just looked again like he did not care. And it really is a shame. But again, I think AEW, if they do get Dean Ambrose, I wouldn't be surprised if he made events the first pay per view with them because he has that star power. What does that leave Renee Young then? Because it's his wife, and now she's in this role on Raw where she's the first female like color commentator. Do you think they'll probably say, oh, you know what, Renee, uh, Dean Ambrose, your husband, like there's some issues there. Does she want to leave too? Because, oh, I don't feel comfortable being here. Like My cu- husband left on bad terms. Like, Do you think she'll probably like look to leave? I would, I would not be surprised if she did leave, and AEW kind of – brought her like they did like a mutual contract like both of them together yeah and in all honesty i think there's an easy replaceable person for renee young right now she doesn't have a job her name's Paige. i think she yeah. she can definitely go in there and be the, the second ever female announcer i think that's something that Paige can do because Paige again wrestling is in her blood and i feel like she has to be a part of the wwe in some capacity so why not make her the second female announcer to, to ever do it so um, I wouldn't be surprised if Renee Young does jump ship, and that's a huge loss for them as well. But when you talk about the New Day leaving, I don't see it happening because the new the WWE basically made the New Day. Yeah. And it's kind of a thing where if they do leave, they won't be gone long. I feel like if they do leave, they will go back to WWE. At least Big E, I think, will. I've been saying for almost a year now that Big E should have – you know, branched off from the New Day and tried a singles career. And if this means that he branches off at AEW and becomes a single star at AEW and puts on great matches with The Cleaner and uh, Cody Rose and all those guys, then why not? And maybe we'll even see the New Day versus the Young Bucks in a tag team match. Yeah, it's, those are They wanted to work with them. They even had that E3, uh, they played Street Fighter, and they had that whole competition. It was on WWE social media too, so they just did uh, free publicity for the Young Bucks. And that would be interesting because they both want to work with each other, and now the only way they can do that is if it's an AEW. So I could see them leaving for that, but if WWE offers a lot more money and a lot more... They have creative freedom, but put them in a position where we're going to make you a single star. I think it might convince them to stay. Another signing we got to talk about, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Reportedly rumored to go to AEW. I think that's a flat out – I think that's a that's a work. I don't yeah. think that's happening. If it does happen, all my, all my uh, respect to AEW just goes down the drain. I love Brock Lesnar. Don't get me wrong, but he should not go to a wrestling promotion – that has the likes of Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Just stick to the wrestling. Don't don't bring in a guy that will sell the ticket because you could sell tickets on your own. You have Jericho there, one of the greatest of all time. You don't need Brock Lesnar. I know Jericho. Uh, he had a little uh, Twitter beef with Lesnar lately, calling him fat yeah, and stuff. And, and I think he's trying. I think he wants to wrestle Lesnar. He never has one on one. So that would be pretty interesting. But again, I don't want to see Lesnar in AEW. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see him in WWE either. There's a a way I think this is smart on AEW's thing. They're rumored to get Goldberg. So like he's one of the names that's like targeting. So if Goldberg's there, that's one of Brock Lesnar's good friends. It's good buddies who's also a big football guy. So you have a very rich owner the jacksonville jaguars fulham owner they're loaded they got a lot of money to throw at brock lesnar who his career is doing brock lesnar does what brock lesnar wants to do and if they're going to give him some more money to go farm some land in Saskatchewan, he's going to listen to that <laughs> offer and i think they're going to offer him something that's like a lot more than wwe is and wwe is going to feel threatened to offer him even more brock lesnar is going to say okay oh let's sit down talk get my pen Get the checkbook. And if AEW gets Lesnar, though, that'd be huge because not only will he sell tickets, but the first thing I would do, not even Jericho, I would put him in a match with Kenny Omega and make that match go 25 to 30 minutes. And you can brag, like, about, like, make Kenny Omega look so strong, 
where after the match, people will be like, yeah, look, all those guys you just destroyed the last six years in WWE in like 10 minutes, Samoa Joe, AJ, Cena, their top guys, he defeated the Undertaker's undefeated streak. And now this guy in this elite level promotion, he's taking him to 30 minutes. So I have to watch AEW because those are where the elite wrestlers are. So in that aspect of it, I think AEW would be smart to get him and that would be setting the McMahon family into a heart attack with panic mode. (laughs) (laughs) That would basically be the in-your-face jerks kind of match. If they were to do it, it's like, okay, we got Brock Lesnar now. So why don't we put him against Kenny Omega? Brock, you look like you're in better shape. Can you go like 25 minutes? And he's like, yeah, maybe I'll try it. And then he puts on a match of the year candidate. And then we look back at the at the at Brock's you know run in WWE the last, eight and it's like, matches, what like, what the hell was this? Like yeah. eight minutes? Why? And, and then there you go. And then Vince has a heart attack, and then the rest is. <laughs> but anyways, I, do you think AEW could be better than NXT? I think. Because NXT is phenomenal. It is. I love that takeover, too, with uh, oh, yeah, with Ricochet and, and the crowd, too. He yeah. looks, he's like, they brought him and made him look so good. Ricochet and Johnny Gargano put on the best match of the card, I think. All by a mile for me. And uh, Champa's really good. Alistair Black is probably going to be on the main roster in the next couple months. But I think AEW could be because they have a lot of wrestlers like Kenny Omega it's not announced yet but it's expected to be announced next week uh Cody's doing really good the young bucks they got some young uh elite level like indie stars coming up I think that's going to put some eyes on their product and I just I think it's going to be a challenger to NXT and that you know what they're going to put more time into their events you don't know if they're going to have a weekly program yet, but they're going to put time into their pay-per-view events. They're going to have more people in the crowd. I think it does rival NXT and probably be better. Well, that is it for this week. We have talked about quite a bit, a lot of trade rumors, trades, trade predictions. Just We talked about trades and contracts for a majority of it. I'm tired of all the numbers. Holy this crap. But guys... That's it for this week's episode. Make sure to watch this Sunday, the Rams and the Patriots, Super Bowl 53. Can Tom Brady make history again? Thanks, guys, for watching. Make sure to listen on all of the the social medias that we're on. We're on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, MixCloud, Castle, so many different things. (laughs) Thanks, guys, again for watching. This is the co-host Chris Martelli signing out with Giancarlo Alino.